stayed primarily in Revelation 21. Go to Isaiah 65, and again, the, the subject tonight is speaking around when God says, Behold, I make all things new. We're going to look at that, and what is he talking about? What is he going to be making new, and why is he making all things new? Let's begin in Isaiah 65. All right, Isaiah 65, and we'll look, look here at a couple scriptures. All right. All right, Isaiah 65 and verse 17 and 18. Isaiah 65, verse 17 and 18. This is what God says. He says, Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. But, verse 18, Be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For, behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. Now let's go in chapter 66, the last chapter, almost the last verse of the book. Look at verse 22. Isaiah 66, verse 22. What is God saying about heavens and the earth? Look what he says, Isaiah 66, 2. Uh, 66, verse 22. 66, verse 22. For as the heavens and the new earth, I'm sorry, for as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. So God's speaking about, yes indeed, even Isaiah the prophet, years before John, was told by God that God's making everything new. Like everything. All right, so let's go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter, now just, I'm trying not to spend too much time commenting, but please pay attention to 2 Peter chapter 3. We're going to read um, 13 verses, 2 Peter chapter 3, 13 verses, and he's going to talk about the flood, and he's going to talk about another judgment, and he's going to talk about how scoffers will be like, oh yeah, God, people always say God's coming back, and he's going to judge the world, Psh, whatever. And Peter addresses that scoffing. 2 Peter chapter 3 and we'll pick up on verse 1 there. The second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. 
But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for a new heaven, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now let's go to Revelation. This is our primary text now, just giving you some scriptures that are already uh, speaking to it. Revelation 21, there's only two last chapters in the book of Revelation. We'll read verses 1 through 5. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. Grant, Grant, what'd you say right? All right, here we go. Revelation 21, John said, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And He that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, write, for these words are true and faithful. So this, this is one of those things is you, you, you read the Bible, you teach the Bible. There's, you, you know, as a, as a person, like maybe trying to be, pretend that you're not a believer, reading and teaching the Bible, like, oh yeah, there's some good things in the Bible there. There's some very helpful things in the Bible, moral things, and yeah, Jesus is a good person. But sometimes when you get to stuff like this, this is outrageous. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Are we going to believe this or not? It's like hell when we talked about preached on hell. It's not one of those things, well, yeah, that might be helpful. No, wait a minute. That, is this true or not? Otherwise, I don't want to waste my time. And this is incredible. I mean, the, the Scriptures have a lot of... Um, support, manuscript evidence, and all those other things. We're not going to digress into uh, defending apologetics of the Bible and everything, but this is one of those things that this is very serious, okay? How many of us like new stuff? Well, everybody pretty much does. I mean, there's some old things you like. You know, you like your old jeans. They're kind of broke in. Now they're selling jeans that are so broken, they're broken away and tearing and falling off, you know? Uh, but we like old things, some old things that are broken, but most of us like new things, right? I've never had a 
brand new car. Never had a brand new car. Closest thing, I think, was three or four years old, the little Yaris we have. And uh, that's okay. That's okay. But I know what it's like having the new car smell. Uh, my dad and I, when we did our body shop, uh, we did a little work for an, uh, an engineering group called Cat Engineering. They would do certain testing on brand new vehicles. Uh, for They were kind of a contractor to General Motors, but we would do some paint work, and they'd bring those cars in. And man, I, I would, yeah, I'd like to get in that car. Smells so good, brand new. Pontiac, I know Pontiacs aren't that great, but it smelled good, you know. I don't know if it drove good, it smelled good, you know. And uh, even mom and dad growing up got a couple new vehicles before. I'm like brown and brown Chevy or Curry or something, and I remember getting it, oh yeah, like that new car smell. And then you go to the car wash, right? You get the car wash, you're like, would you like the forest or the new car smell or the whatever? And you're like, yeah, do the new car smell. And you get in, like, that didn't help. That didn't help, you know. Uh, the only way to get that new car smell is to get the new car, right? You know? So I like new stuff. A new house is nice, you know? Um, new, you know, you get a new pair of shoes. How many of you kids just recently got a new pair of shoes? Anybody? All right. Cool. Do you run faster? Do you run faster, Drew? No? Man, you don't? We'll take them back. <laughs> So it's nice having new things. Okay, how about God? Again, he's making, he says, here's something new. It says, I believe, four times the word is is used, and um, that he's going to make everything new, all things. Now, sometimes we get to where, like, I like, wait a minute, I like this world. I like the earth, and it's okay to appreciate it. There's some fascinating things on the earth. Um, The geology and the, uh, the animal life, the sea life, all that stuff. It's fascinating. And then you go out in outer space, and it's pretty cool from a distance. But when anybody lands on one of these planets, you're like, okay, that's boring. Nobody can breathe here. The earth is pretty cool. All right? And, uh, but, and, and, it's, and it's neat. And the stars and the constellations and all that stuff is really neat. But you know, the Bible says the world passes away. The world system, and even the Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, Jesus says. But my words shall not pass away. He says in Matthew 25, uh, 34, I believe it is, or 20, 20, Matthew 25. Now, um, but do you realize that God said, we read a verse where God says he's reserving. This sounds so not politically correct, but he's reserving the earth against the day of judgment. Back in 2 Peter, he says this. He says, um, 3, 7, he says, But the heavens and the earth, which are right now, by the same word, the word that created them, are kept in store, reserved unto fire, against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. I have over here, in the, we, have, we have pecan trees here at the church, and we get dead wood that drops or branches that drop, and occasionally we'll gather up some of those sticks and have a little fire at the house in our backyard thing. Well, I got a little pile there, reserved for burning sometime. And God's saying, look, this is a great earth, but I'm going to burn it up. In the heavens, I'm going to burn them up. We are told 
in 2 Peter 3 to keep this stuff in mind. Peter says, I'm writing this stuff to you that you would keep it in mind. Stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. That is, God wants us to keep it in mind that everything we see is going to get replaced except the soul of men. Except us as Christians, we're going to live forever with the Lord. But let's look at this. Let's go back and let's look at this passage. Okay, Revelation 21. There's four new things. Now, he says all things new. Well, that would cover everything. But he specifies four types of things that will be new for us. Uh, we're going to see that there, he says a new heaven. He says there's a new earth. He didn't say he's going to you know, restore it, do a restoration job with the existing one. He said new. The, it passed away. Paris dissolved is the old one. Completely brand new. New heaven. That would include all of the expanse, including outer space. New earth. And then he talks about new Jerusalem, a new city of peace. The word Jerusalem means city of peace. That is to us the current heaven, the four square city. To us, that'll be new. I mean, it's already there. It's not going to get redone. But it's going to be new Jerusalem, our new capital. And then he mentions a fourth one with a list of descriptions, and it amounts to new freedom from the sin curse. He's saying in the future, God says, I'm going to make all things new, new heaven, new earth. New Jerusalem is going to come down on the new earth, the new capital there. And then there's going to be no more of this and that and the other thing that just weighs us down in life, like crying and sorrow and sickness and all that stuff. It's all made new. Before we talk about those categories, let's ask ourselves, why is God going to make everything new? I mean, come on. Why didn't He just kind of freshen things up and just, you know, you know um, what, do they, what, what do we do? We, we recycle stuff, you know? We got our recycle bins. Let's just work with what we got. You know, God's not, uh, it's not like he's, you know, um, not wealthy. <laughs> he created all things. He spoke it into existence. He's going to make all things new. Why? Now, let's just talk specifically. Why is God making all things new? Number one, it's because, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, this question, but number one, everything's wearing out. Why is God going to make a new earth and a new heaven? And uh, a newness for us. He's doing it because the, the geology and the universe and the, everything we know now is wearing out. Romans 8 says that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth together in pain until now. Paul talks about your body groaning and travailing. Oh, the Christian, even the Christian that has the Holy Spirit in him is saying, oh, I can't wait to get a new body. And then Paul, Paul previously to that says, even the whole creation groans and tra travails. You know, when there's an earthquake, the earth's going, Ugh! you know. It's talking about the fact that our, our, the, the, the things that God has made since the sin curse are wearing down. It's one of the laws of thermodynamics, even in physics. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, or pardon me, Hebrews 1, you can take a peek at that. Look in Hebrews 1. And the, and the writer of Hebrews is quoting actually a psalm here. And he says, Hebrews 1, he's um, saying, he quotes a scripture. But 
verse 10, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. And they all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. So the writer of Hebrews is reminding us this. Why is God making all things new? He's going to make all things new because the current creation is groaning and travailing. It's wearing down. Um, Some of us, we do this. You know, your clothes wear down. You throw them away. You get new ones. And that's what God's doing. Number two, why is God making all things new? Because of this. It's unclean. Creation is considered unclean. There's a verse in Job, Job 15, verses 14 to 16. The heavens are not even clean in your sight. It's unclean. Now, it's not like unclean like we think, well, yeah, there must be a lot of pollution out there. There may or may not be pollution out there. It's just that there's, there's other aspects of, the, of, a, of this fallen world that are, to God, unclean. And God says, I'm going to reset everything. There's not going to be any element of defilement. There's not going to be possibility of viruses or uh, this, this uh, element of a of, um, predatory instincts. Some of that's going to get removed for a short time in the millennium. A thousand years short time. Some of that's going to get removed. But God's going to... The, the whole creation is unclean and so he's saying it's wearing down. I'm going to make a new one. It's unclean. I'm going to make everything new. And number three, why is God making all things new? Because he promised that to us. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 13, we read it. According to his promise, we look for a new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. God's promised us something brand new. And not just like, oh, we can live forever and we get the new Jerusalem. He's promised us a new creation, a new world. So here's our main question for tonight. What is God making that's new? Number one, we, we've already been mentioning it, but number one, heaven. Notice chapter uh, 21, verse 1. <coughs> Excuse me. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The, four, the first heaven, the first earth were passed away. We, we, we read Isaiah. Isaiah tells us that God says, I make new heavens. And he says, hey, you should be glad that I'm doing that. New heaven. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Heaven. What, which heaven are we talking about here? All right, let's clarify heaven. Heaven, you can figure this out. You get in your Bible long enough. Heaven's defined contextually. That is by how it's being used in this, the discussion that you find in Scripture. There's three uh, types of heaven. You can say first, second, and third, okay? So the first heaven would be our immediate atmosphere, the heaven. Jesus said the birds of the air. The word air was the same word that is used sometimes and translated for heaven. That's heaven, the sky. So the first heaven is the home of the sparrows, the home of the birds. The second heaven is the home of the stars. That's the whole expanse, okay, the rest of the expanse. That's the second heaven, the home of the stars. The first heaven is the home of the sparrows. The second heaven is the home of the stars. The third heaven is the home of the saints. The four-square city of God. It actually has dimensions, and God's manifested His presence there. It's a beautiful city, and that is the heaven that we commonly talk about in our Christian jargon. 
You're going to die and go to heaven or are you going to hell? Well, we think of that, going there with God, the place of God, God's abode. So here, what's this talking about? Is he going to make a brand new heaven? I mean, God mess up somewhere up there? You got to do a remodeling project or just... No, no, that's not going to get made new. It's the rest of it. It's this, the expanse over the new earth and the whole outer space, if I'm going to believe the Bible. New. Wow. A new heaven. But first, it's like my mind's going to explode tonight, Pastor. You're already... The first is going to, these other, the current heavens are going to be obliterated. Again, let's go back to 1 Peter. The heavens being on fire? This is not talking about tribulational events. That's already passed. It's not talking about the millennium. We're past the millennium. This is talking about after that. 2 Peter, it says there, uh, Verse, let's look at verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. By the way, to make it really quick and succinct, the day of the Lord is a long span of time starting as soon as the rapture happens. Okay? It's a day of the Lord where God does his different, a different program here. The day of the Lord will come and as a thief in the night in which the heavens, that's the end of it, shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Verse 12, look at verse 12. Looking for and hasting unto the coming day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Wow. Wow. Um, God's going to destroy everything. It's not going to be by some type of, uh, you know, one of these Star Wars weapons, that you, they, the earth planet, planet destroyers. God does it by His own, of course, it's all fake. He does it by his own dictates, his own word, whatever things he's built into nature to do it with or just to order it. But think about this. A new heaven. I kind of like looking at the stars. I do. I'm like, oh, look at that. And they declare the glory of God indeed. And there's fascination there and there's different types of um, stellar things out there. But imagine this. New ones. New fascination. New glory, maybe, a new, maybe new constellations. It's going to be made new. Number two, a new earth. Notice here, he says the same thing in verse 1, I'm making a new earth. First earth is going to get passed away, it's going to be dissolved. Second Peter talked about it being dissolved. By the way, let's go, let me think, I want you to take your brains back to Second Peter. Do you know what Peter was talking about? He says, hey, there's, in the last days, scoffers are going to come and say, oh, God's not coming back. And Peter says, you know what, they're ignorant. What Peter's saying is, the scoffers will say, ah, oh, God's not going to judge anything. God's not going to come back and judge. Wow, wow, wow. And Peter says, you know what, they're willingly ignorant of the flood. And the flood is, by the way, there's evidence of the flood all around the world. They find marine life on top of the Himalayas, fossils. Hmm. You know, there's a lot of evidence of a worldwide flood. But Peter says, they're willingly ignorant that by the word of God, he created the heavens and the earth, and that he flooded the earth. Now, pause. God built the original creation, and he made it where, uh, where it could be flooded. And he decided to flood it from above. We believe there's a water canopy. The Bible says the windows of heaven opened, and the fountains of the deep were broke up. So there's flooding both ways and covered the earth and then it receded and we get the shifting of continents and now we have the current appearance of our, our maps. 
But God made it to where the earth could be destroyed and could be judged through the flood. And then Peter says, you know, they're ignorant of that. But that by the same word, God has made it to where it can be destroyed by fire. Now, have you ever thought about the earth? The, this is, I, okay. Um, you know, have you ever seen like a, have you ever seen in a class, the cross section of the earth, you know, and it looks like some kind of, you know, jawbreaker that's different layers of the jawbreaker, you know. And I always wonder, how do they know that? They've hardly, they can hardly get through the crust of the earth as far as I know. But they're guessing, and, and there's different scientific measurements they could do. But think about this. There, what we do understand is that the, uh, the crust of the earth, what is it, about three miles? The crust of the earth. And then after that, it bleeds. Huh? Anybody believe the earth bleeds? I do. Seen it. You know? There's islands made out of its blood. Yeah. And mountains. The earth is what, 24, 25,000 miles around? About an 8,000 mile diameter? It's a lot of volume in there that we're not sure about. We're walking around on a three mile crust of earth that seems pretty peaceful. And then every now and then the earth goes, <clears throat> and there's an earthquake and everybody just falls apart by just a little, like that. And then something blows some steam. You're like, whoa, get away from that. No, wait, maybe we should make this a national monument. You know, and, and, you know, and then sometimes there's other geysers and, or sometimes, wow, there's a new island in the sea. And then what was a couple weeks ago, was it Fiji? One of the South Pacific islands? Boom, come big old explosion. And it was, they, now watch this, they said it was the loudest sound on earth since Krakatoa. Somebody like, I don't know Krakatoa. It was like in the 1800s or something like that. And that was heard for 3,000 miles and the sound waves went around the earth several times back then. So there was this eruption. I mean, it's Santa Monica piers were moving thousands of miles away. It could have been a lot worse. That was just a little thing there in the, in the whole sphere of it. Man, what's going on in there? We got a sea of fire, probably. And we are sitting here walking around, making our plans, having our, carrying out our lives, doing our vacations and everything like that. Man, are we sitting on a ticking time bomb? I'm not being like, you know, sensational. I'm like, whoa, I think we are. I mean, we, spend more we try to spend more attention and fascination with aliens than we do, wait a minute, what's underneath me? The earth is going to be destroyed by fire, and it appears God has built it to, to that, that way, to, destruct, to, to be inviscerated, I guess you could say. But there'll be a new earth, not before the old earth is destroyed. The earth will be destroyed. There'll be a brand new earth. And then it just makes this comment, and we, we could probably find a few more scriptures, but let's just stay with this text. There was no more sea. <laughs> now, some of us are like, dude, I was hoping I could surf in the new earth, you know? No more sea. Now, there is going to be water, and, and I'm, I'm not going to chase down all the scriptures. There's a sea of 
glassy sea. There's a river from the throne. There's some other, there'll be water, okay? I like, by the way, I love camping as long as there's water nearby, even if it's just a little scrawny creek. Yes! I got something. I just like to hear that sound trickling. I, I love, I don't like going camp unless there's a little bit of water somewhere. There'll be water in the new earth, pure. But it says there'll be no more sea. And I started thinking, what, what's this no more sea stuff? And the best I can discern is this. The sea, the current sea, now this shows the intelligence of God. The current sea covers about, what, 75% of the earth's surface. It is made up, I think, of like 95% actual water, another 3.5% uh, salt, and then, and then after that, the percentage breaks down to other elements, by what I understand. Well, that salt water is used to, it's perfect. It's exactly what we need. Our environmentalists should be happy about that. It keeps things cleansed and purged and everything. And I, I, if I had my glasses, I'd read a very intelligent quote here, but I can't see it very well. But um, do you understand that? Like, so, so if you have like pollution and you have all these things, and I'm not, a, and I, by the way, I'm, I'm for taking care of the environment and the air and all that stuff. But the earth's taking care of a lot of stuff too. You know, it rains and it, it helps put down some of the pollution and wash all of our toxins. It goes, it might, it, it many times goes into the sea and it may hurt regional marine life. I understand that. But what happens that even if that dirty water, it gets evaporated and evaporates pure again, comes back and cleanses the earth again. It goes back, might go back dirty, but evaporates back up. The water cycle, pure and clean, comes back and rains back down. And God made it to where the earth needs to clean itself. Why? Because it's dirty. But you know, in the new earth, you don't need that. We're not going to have anything dirty. Not a thing. Still have some water, but we won't need that cleansing aspect. No more sea. And then there's a couple other things here. I think I'll just mention them briefly, and perhaps we'll touch on them next week. Again, New Jerusalem, verse 3. I saw, I heard a great voice of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them. And they shall be His people, and God Himself shall be with them and be their God. I'm sorry. The previous verse said He saw, what does it say? Verse 2, the New Jerusalem, holy, the holy city coming down from God out of heaven like a bride coming to her husband. Now, I want you to notice the way this chapter goes. It starts general, and as we study the chapter, it's going to get specific and detailed. It's kind of like you go check out a new house. You're driving, oh, look at those new houses, honey. Let's go check them out. They're way out of our budget. We'll probably never have one in 30 years, but let's go look. Anyways, you know, you see a new house and you're like, let's go. You say, oh, look at that. That looks wonderful. And then you go in and you talk to the realtor and they talk to you a little bit. Then you go into a real one and you see the details and it breaks down and breaks down. That's how this chapter is. It just shows you beautiful, gleaming, wonderful, lovely city like a bride adorned for her husband. We, don't, we have some pretty cool cities on earth, but nothing like that. And even, if, even, if you, even the cool ones that we have, it's like, yeah, they wear down after a while. So that's, God, that's going to be a new capital. We'll be looking into that more. God himself is going to be with them. And then what else is new? This fourth thing, a new freedom from sin's curse. Verse 4, new freedom. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. Well, that's good. Nothing nothing's going to die. 
whatever, we know we're going to be there. If God chooses to make new animals, well, I don't know, but they're not going to die. No more death. That includes the aspects of death, which bacteria and viruses and diseases that are, that, are, that are designed in the curse to make something die. Not necessarily all bacteria, but definitely the viruses and the diseases, they're designed, it's an intelligent curse that God made to make something die, to give us a signal. We're in trouble. We need a Savior. Yeah, that's why we're, everything should point back to Jesus, who's reversing the curse for us. If we trust Him, we'll experience that. So, it says, no more death. Yay! Never have another funeral again. Neither, what does it say, sorrow. Oh, yes. Now, again, some aspects of these are good. It's good to cry. It's good to have sorrow. But you know what? God's going to make it where it'll never have it anymore. No more sorrow. People have all types of sorrows. We can't have the standard sorrow of a, you know, a person that's just, oh, I'm a little down today, and then, or a person that's mourning a death. And then you have all these other kinds of sorrows where somebody's deeply despaired and depressed and up to the point of suicide and sorrows that you can never, there's all kinds of sorrows. And he says, no more. It's going to get rid of all of it. New freedom from that aspect of the sin curse. And then it says, neither crying. Wait, Pastor, I thought we already talked about crying. He says, no more tears. From their eyes, neither death nor sorrow nor crying. Isn't that the same? You know the word crying here means? <laughs> I know this word. I hear it in my house all the time. It's not just about, it's a clamoring. It's the disturbance of, you know. Sorry, sometimes I participate in it too. I shouldn't. No more of that. No more complainers, whether you're two or whether you're 82. No more crying. No more complaining. And then it says, I love that, look at verse 4. He's going to remove all pain. And there shall be no, neither shall there be any more, ouch, pain. I don't like pain. Think about this. How many ways can you be pained in your body? Whoa. Is, is, however many square uh, millimeters are on my body are about the many ways I could be pained in my body, inside and out. No more of that. For the former things, those things right there, passed away. I'm looking forward to that. See, here's why God says He wrote these things so we'll keep it in mind. Keep that in mind and we remember where we're headed toward that. So I want to conclude with a couple things here. Oh, by the way, we sing a song. Um, this is my father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied. And earth and heaven be one. That's what's going to happen, by the way, on that third point. New Jerusalem, heaven, and earth are going to be one. And God himself is going to dwell with them. We sing that. But here's what I want to close on. I want to close on this thought at four points, it won't be long, of this. Think about this. God is a God of renewal. God is a God of new stuff. And again, whatever God is, whatever we see God being to us, we want to let God be that through us. So my point is we should reflect the newness of God in our life. And the first way you can do that is, first of all, by being saved. You know, God wants everybody to be born again. 
born again. We get new babies born around here. And even my boys are like, I want to smell the new baby. They like the smell of new baby. But Jesus is in the, in the business of making us born again. That is a spiritual birth. That doesn't happen by plunging into baptismal waters. It happens by putting your faith in Jesus. In that moment of faith, He makes you new, whether you have shivers up your spine or not, or see some vision or go whatever. Once you put your faith in Jesus, He makes you a new creature. God says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. God is a God of newness. We need to be born again. Secondly, when we think of all this new stuff, for right now, we need to reflect the newness of God and that we need to constantly renew our minds. There's a lot of scriptures that say that. One of that's Romans 12, 1 and 2, 2 Corinthians 4, 16. You know, sometimes you got to renew your mind, you know? Um, that's why good to take a vacation, come back and renew your mind. Take a break from work, renew your mind. Um, rest, that's a good idea. Renew your mind. Um, restudy a, a thing in the Bible that you studied a few years ago. Renew your mind. In fact, how about look at your Bible every day? It helps renew your mind. Renew. God is a God of renewal. We need to renew our mind. Thirdly, we need to renew our relationships. You know, when you are a friend with somebody, it's good to... Do things to kind of rekindle that friendship. Make yourselves closer. Or your spouse, your husband, your wife, to renew that love. God is a God of newness and renewal. We need to renew, uh, fourthly, just, I'm making it kind of sound cheesy, but renew your stuff. You know, my wife is always trying to things in our house. What can we refresh, make better, renew, replace? If you're working... Whatever you do at work, make it the best. Make, keep things fresh. Keep things, whether you have a lot of money or not, um, you know, keep things looking good and the best and fresh and excellent. Re, re, here's the whole point. I want to reflect the quality of God in my life. I want, to be a, I want to reflect everything God is. Let it be seen through my life as well. God says, this is this, isn't this wonderful? I make all things new. Look at this last verse. Verse 5. He that sat upon the throne, John's hearing all this, said, Behold, I make all things new. And John perhaps may have been like, yeah. And the guy, and the, the, he says, the Lord says, Right, I'm not kidding about this. These words are true and faithful. Aren't you glad about that? Look, you never, I, I may never get a brand new car, and that's okay, as long as I have something that's moving me, you know? And safe. May never get a brand new home, but I will get a brand new home, and so will you. Isn't that wonderful? God, the God of renewal, He makes all things new.